we're going to go into a word. <laughs> yeah. The reason why he's looking at me like that, in case you're wondering, church, is that, um, let's be honest, we should be honest in church. We had planned to stream this morning. And with the unplanned maintenance that has happened, it looks like your pastor is on the spot again. Don't know why this seems to be keeps seems to be happening this this past year. So we're not going to be streaming the message. I'm going to be preaching a word, uh, which 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 um, which Rob and the team were were ready to sort of um, motivate me with. You know, one of those classic old school preacher things. We you know where the guy just gets up and he's like, you know what, church? I really feel like the Lord's calling us to worship for another two songs. But the band's actually prepared them, you know, like they'd actually prepared to do that. Um, but this morning, and as Rob rightly said, the anointing is sometimes in the preparation, which actually speaks to what, I, what I'm going to touch on this morning, Rob. So we're not going to be streaming, unfortunately. It was a series that Pastor George was going to do on, can the Bible be taken literally? Oh, thanks, Phil. And I was really looking forward to actually receiving that. Uh, he had all kinds of questions and answers lined up. Everything from how do you know if the message is meant for them? Is it meant for us? Was there an actual ark? Was there an ark? When Jesus says, I am the door, what does he mean? How does metaphor play into that whole conversation? Uh, what about the requirements for churches today? Does it apply? Doesn't it apply? So many questions wrapped up in this, uh, what was almost going to be like an apologetic style series this week and next week. Um, so it's a little bit of a downer, but in the same way, I do also celebrate the fact that God can and does do what He wills. And we just say, yes, Lord, and we step in and step out in faith and we surrender. So can you pray for your pastor this morning as he prepares a message that he hasn't prepared until 10 minutes ago? No, I'm joking. Um, it's actually quite funny. Um, I found myself reading through a bit of a conversation of what you were touching on just now, Rob. I, I found myself reading through I don't know, 10, 15 chapters of Genesis the last couple of days. Uh, that was actually what I did on the public holiday. Someone was asking me what I did on the public holiday. And I remember now, I, read, I spent two hours reading through a couple of chapters in Genesis. And um, that's actually part of what I want to share about this morning. And kind of like that funnel analogy that I used just now, you know, if you're wanting an output, you have to put something in. You know, we can't expect to receive something on this side if we're not doing the work on this side. Uh, it just so happens that that is kind of the, the title of my series this morning, or the, or the title of the message this morning, not the series, uh, the message, and it, it, it ties into what, we, into what we actually shared last week in our Faith, Hope, Love series. I felt like there was something more to share on the topic of faith. It's such a big one. And if you cast your mind back, if you're new or if you're visiting this morning for the first time, we did a series on 1 Corinthians 13 uh, over the past couple of, couple of weeks, and we said that faith in our spiritual journeys is like the frame of a bicycle. It's the shape of the thing. It keeps it solid. It helps give us a sturdiness so that when we experience roadblocks or obstacles in life, we can sustain ourselves through that. And I felt like there was something more to be shared in that conversation. And so it's kind of, uh, you know, no coincidence. I mean, not that I ever believe in coincidence. That implies that God's plan A didn't work. Um, it's, it's amazing how that kind of ties into what I want to share about this morning. And I want to lean in by asking you a question. Have you ever wondered why some things take as long as they do to get sorted out. Has anyone ever sat with that question? Why does it take so long for this 
situation, this thing, whatever it is that I'm going through to get sorted out. Um, I had a very unfortunate incident take place uh, about almost a month and a half ago now. Uh, Jesse, who was here, and a few other people might know know what happened. Um, but I'm quite a keen fisherman, right? So those of you who know me know that I love spending time in the water. That's photo or that uh, painting on the inside of the parents' lounge with the two people on the boat. I've claimed that that's my son and I. That's Benji and I sitting on the boat right there in church. Um, but I love my fishing, and um, one of my friends, Duvan, you guys know him, Jesse's, uh, Jesse's husband, he asked me to take some clients out on a fishing trip of his, and it didn't exactly go as planned. Long story short, but uh, driving back from Sundays River to PE, uh, which is where I live, um, we, we sort of took this turn off uh, from the highway, went to go look at the flamingos that are on the Swartkopf River, the guy wanted to see, see his flamingos, made a U-turn, and as I was about to turn back onto the highway, I saw in the rearview mirror, my boat's there, trailer's there, but the motor's gone. Where's the motor? No motor. Get out the car, run around to the back, it's a double cab, couldn't see the back, and that little like, pull cord thing is like ripped to shreds. So somewhere between Sunday's River and Swartkopf River, our motor fell off. Three months old, Brand new, slack, Lord, why, why? And we're still waiting. We're still waiting for the insurance claim to get sorted out. It's like a month and a half. And I'm like, I want to go fishing. I can't go fishing because my motor's somewhere between here and Sunday's River. I went back actually to go find. I couldn't find it. So someone obviously just picked it up and scrap, scrap metaled it. Um, but it's frustrating to wait. <laughs> it's frustrating to wait for these things that you hope will happen to happen. Anyone ever related to something like that? Maybe you've waited for a relationship to happen. Maybe you're still waiting for a relationship to happen. Maybe you waited for a career to happen. Maybe you're waiting for a family to happen, some kind of a move. I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like that's one of the struggles that a lot of us sit with as we navigate through life's journeys. We go through the ups and downs, the windy roads of life, and we sometimes sit with this tension, why is this thing taking so long to get resolved? Shouldn't it be easier? Shouldn't it be more simple? Couldn't God just you know, click his divine fingers and the plan would fall into place. Does that make sense? Anyone, anyone relating to what I'm saying? Well, yeah, there's a very loud yaw from the front row there. Prayer, prayer, prayer request afterwards. But I've, I've thought about this conversation a lot because I've, you know, spoken to a lot of people about this topic over the years and I've, I've wondered about the reason why that happens. I've wondered why and I've, and I've wondered even more so what the solution to that situation is. What's the solution? I mean, do we just sit in this tension of unknowing forever? What's the solution? And I've kind of come to realize that we as Christians often look for a quick fix solution to what is a very complex problem. Because we live in a very instant world, don't we? I want it now. Quick fix. Give me the solution and let's move on. I've got things to do. I'm busy. But, but, I think when we do that, we neglect the fact that some problems require a process to solve. They require a bit of a process, a bit of a, a, bit of a journey to take place. And some things can't just be made right in one highlight moment because the solution is sometimes different to what we had expected. Sometimes the mountain, if we want to use the faith language like we touched on a few weeks ago, looks different to what we had expected. My mountain right now is the insurance claim. Like, just assess the thing, pay it out so I can move on with my life. But what happens if the mountain is different? 
What happens if there's something else in that process that God is working in me and through me and for my good, but I'm just missing it because I'm focusing on the quick fix solution. And I thought about that a lot in, in this, in this you know, conversation of, of moving around our mountain, moving around our mountains, whatever they are, whatever it is, keeping our faith intact, keeping our faith and our eyes fixed firmly on God. You know, I was chatting to a friend even this past week and, and he's also in the ministry and he kind of feels like he's burnt out. He's spent. I just, he's like, I've been running since I started this thing. I haven't slowed down. Feels like I've got nothing left to give. And that's from someone that's working in church, right? The person that you would, if you look at him, you'd go, well, there's no ways you're doubting your calling. You're amazing. Like, I wish I could have accomplished half of what you're doing. Yet he's sitting with this mountain. And, you know, we had a great chat about it. And he said, you know, he's got to keep following Jesus. Well, maybe sometimes it's okay to just have a rest every now and then. Just, just pause on the road. Keep your eyes on him, right? Keep your eyes on him. Fix your thoughts. But just have a bit of a rest. Maybe the mountain is not necessarily getting back on the calling treadmill within the next 48 hours. Otherwise, thou shalt, you know, not or whatever. Maybe it's just a case of, of just pausing for a bit. And I wondered about that in the context of our mountains that we, that, that we might face. And so I guess this is the key idea that I want to share with us this morning, church, is do we have the wisdom to recognize that God is in the process of continually developing us, shaping us, molding us into who he has called us to be? And so we need to be mindful that that, that delay can sometimes be a divine delay, in the process of God bringing out something in us that is actually for our good. Not all delays are demonic delays. <laughs> Someone can maybe post that on Instagram later. It's my tagline. I'll be like, what kind of a church is that? Not all, delay, all, all delays are demonic delays. Sometimes those delays are divine delays. And I guess this conversation is, is do we have the wisdom to recognize that difference? as we navigate through the mountains that we journey through in life. I've got a verse from 2 Peter chapter 3, just in terms of the timing that God sometimes has, that I want to share with us this morning. Are we still okay, by the way? Are we good? 2 Peter 3, chapter 8. Oh, we don't have it? Literally, so like no signal, no verses. We're going to test our memory knowledge in Scripture. All right, okay, cool. So I'll read it on my phone. I try to, by the way, the reason why, the reason why I have my phone is I try to send myself an email so I can have it on my iPad. No signal, couldn't connect. The devil is trying his best here today, folks. But trust me, this is from 2 Peter 3, verses 8, not own opinion, 3, verses 8. This is what it says. Now, dear friends, do not let this one thing escape your notice. Don't let this one thing escape your notice. That a single day is like a thousand years with the Lord. And a thousand years are like a single day. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise, as some regard slowness. Why? But he's being patient towards you because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Ooh, my word. Our oh Lord, just hurry up with this thing. Make it happen. Quick fix. And he goes, hang on. Just, just hang on. <laughs> I'm not slow as you think. Slowness is, 
One day, thousand years, thousand years, one day. Just trust me. Just trust me. There's a call to something greater here in this delay than your name. It's his name. There's repentance here. There's salvation plan. There's a divine fabric that's being woven into the mystery of this middle that you're sitting in. And if you just trust him, that fabric leads to his heart. I wonder if we're wise enough to recognize sometimes that our frustration is unjustified in terms of the, of the bigger plan that God has for us. And thinking about some characters in the Bible, you know, this series that Pastor George was, was going to do this morning was all about, you know, how do we, um, how do we preach? Do we just take Scripture and, you know, mold it to suit and fit our own requirements? No, you have to go to Scripture and we grow and we change and we develop to suit Scripture, right? So you have to think, like, who's, who's an example of this in the Bible? How can we learn from this? Well, think about Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarah. Rye, I guess, if you want to pronounce her name that way. Am I right? I hope so. I hope so. He hopes so. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for trusting me. But Abraham and Sarah, how much, how many, how much of their story are we, are, we, are we familiar with? And it's like, you guys are like, well, you just read 15 chapters in Genesis. Of course, you're going to be familiar with it. Quick little reminder. Who is Abraham, according to Romans? He's the father of our faith. Yeah. And what was so significant about his journey? What happened in Abraham's life that was so significant, so miraculous. Why is he called the father of our faith? He had a son when he was by a oat. How old is by a oat? A hundred years old. I mean, how many grandparents are saying amen to that one? No, probably not, not, not many. I'm like, yo, yeah, still feel. hundred years old, right? But what some of us don't know about Abraham's journey is that it didn't start with that promise. It wasn't like he just, you know, received the promise in a moment and God, you know, let his descendants be as numerous as the stars of the sky. There was a bit of a journey there for Abraham. And you see, just like we do sometimes, we trust in our own way when we're in that divine delay, that rhymed unintentionally. <laughs> we trust in our own way when we're in those divine delay moments. And what happened in Abraham and Sarah's journey? It created disconnection. What happens when we trust in God's way? It creates deliverance. Because you see, Abraham sat with this promise. Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, man. I'm going to build my church through you. The people of God are going to come through you. They're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And he's going, yo, I'm 86 right now. Um, in fact, it actually, the Bible actually says that Abraham laughed. <laughs> he laughed, which is ironic because Sarah also laughs a few chapters later. And then when his son, Isaac, is born, Sarah has this moment where she says, you know, God made me laugh. It's a different kind of laugh. One was a laugh of mockery, now it's a laugh of joy. That's a whole separate conversation. But Abraham and Sarah, he was, he was 86 years old. Genesis 16, uh, verse 16, when he had a son from a slave girl. Because he couldn't wait. <laughs> He couldn't wait for God to fulfill the promise in his time. So Abraham was like, you know what? I'm going to make another plan here. In fact, Sarah, his wife, says, here's my slave. Go and have a child with her. And what happens? There's disconnection in the family. There's a breakup that happens. There's resentment that's formed because Abraham wasn't willing to wait. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he wanted to make his own way. 
He wanted to do something in his own strength. And I guess the lesson that we can learn from that journey is, like I said just now, is when we, when we force God's hand at something, it always produces disconnection. When we do things our own way, there's that sense of this could have been a better picture. But when we trust God, when we do things his way, there's deliverance. There's redemption. Genesis 21 says, The Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abram in his old age at the appointed time God had told him. I thought about that conversation a lot and I'm not sure what your appointed time is this morning, friends. I don't know if that is an appointed time for a career or for a relationship or for some dream that you have that you feel like God's given you because God appeared to Abram, as we know, and he said, I'm going to fulfill this promise. And by the way, there's a really powerful verse where it says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness that's why he became the father of our faith Paul addresses that in the book of Romans he actually references that verse how Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness how many of us try to get right with God by doing something in our own strength (laughs) yet God is just saying just believe me take me at my word it speaks to firstly us having to receive a word from God right I guess if you want to take notes you could call this point number one uh, impromptu point number one. We need to receive a word from God. Because what did Abraham believe God for? He must have had a promise, right? He must have had a promise of some kind. It's no use just walking around going, God, I'm, you know, um, I'm, I'm doing this thing, I'm, I'm going in this direction, but we actually have no aim. We spoke about aimlessness last, uh, last week and how love is the, is the, is the handlebars that, that make sure we're pointing in the right direction. But we have to receive a word from God. God, what is it that you want me to do for my life? What is it that you want me to do? What can I have faith in you for in this season? So we have to receive. We have to to get a word from God. That means spending time with Him, (laughs) communing with Him, being in church, speaking to friends. It's amazing how often uh, these kinds of conversations come up when we're just in community with one another. We have to receive a word from God. We have to spend time, long enough time with Him to hear what it is that He's speaking. Thinking about that funnel thing, I don't know why it keeps coming up, but I've often got to the end of the week and felt pretty drained, um, pretty, pretty tired spiritually, pretty empty spiritually, and it's a very, very uh, harsh reminder, that thing on your phone, that, uh, what's it called, screen time allocator on the, on the iPhones, and then I go look and it's like three hours, 20 minutes, average screen time a day, and I'm like, yeah, it's no wonder I'm feeling a bit empty. I put nothing in the side. It's like, oh God, speak to me, but can you spend time with me, please? (laughs) I mean, not that he can't speak to you through Instagram, but there's far better channels of communication than that, right? It's getting intimate with him. Lord, it's me, no agenda. Talk to me, I'm listening. Receive, we have to receive a word from God. That's how we channel and, and, and place our faith. And then of course, we have to believe that which he has spoken will come to pass. Simple, we have to, we have to receive and then we have to believe. Because if God says something, Abraham, you will be the father of many nations. You will. (laughs) Even though I'm 86, even though I'm 100, yes, yes. Take me at my word. Believe me. And it was credited to him as righteousness. You know, I thought about this a lot. What happens if Abraham's mountain was not the fact that he was going to be the father of many nations? What if his mountain was faith what if the mountain that God was calling him to 
walk around and overcome was this cultivation of a belief in his heart. I heard a preacher who I'm really starting to enjoy recently say this, in healing, maybe your mountain is not your healing. Maybe your mountain is how you use your body if you are not healed. Maybe your mountain is how do you pick up the pieces and build something great with it? How do you encourage other people? How do you move around the mountain of disappointment if God doesn't in a moment fix what's happening? You know, sometimes God moves so slowly, it's like an iceberg, we can't see it happening. Abraham waited 14 years to receive the fulfillment of that, of that promise. Little bit by little bit by little bit, but guess what? God's working in you. He's moving in you. And if we have the wisdom to recognize that, I'm convinced that we will experience a far deeper level of joy in our spiritual journeys. Can you say amen to that this morning, church? What is your mountain this morning? What is it that you're sitting in a divine delay with? What is your mystery in the middle? And maybe this morning we've had a few more, I don't know, encouragements or fresh perspectives to go, Lord, what is it that you've spoken? I'm seeking you for a word. And then how can I believe you for that thing? And just trust him. Trust him that no matter what the outcome of your current middle is, he's got the future in in his hands. He knows the promise. He is trustworthy. He is faithful to fulfill that which he has promised. And I really believe that as we're called to walk by faith and not by sight, this is often where some of our greatest victories lies. It's being able to look that mountain in the face, look that obstacle in the face, look that middle in the face and say, God, your word is greater. I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna retreat. I'm not gonna exclude myself from the arena of faith that you've called me to simply because I don't see it happening the way I want it to happen. Lord, with this missing middle of my motor, what's the mountain? What's the mountain? Well, Lord, you're actually quite impatient. No, I'm not impatient. You're, you're impatient. Definitely. You're controlling. Can you, just, can you just back off the steering wheel for a little bit? Because guess what the controlling thing influences Next, it's not just the motor, it's other situations. And that personality trait <laughs> grows and manifests itself in other things. That impatience causes disconnection in relationships. It's acts out in anger. <laughs> All I'm saying is just sometimes, sometimes the mountain is not what it first appeared. And sometimes God's calling us to place our faith as Abraham did in what God said that it would come to pass and trust him, trust him that the outcome will always be better than what we could ever achieve in our own strength. When we do it in our own way, it brings disconnection. When we do it God's way, it brings deliverance. That's what happened, right? Children of Israel, deliverance through Abraham resting and trusting in God's promise for his life. I've got one more sort of closing thought, I guess, to, um, to add to our time together this morning. I see it's already five past, so I promise I won't take up too much, too much of your time. But maybe you're like me and you go through a season where you feel like that waiting is too thin. Like, sorry, too long and you've been stretched too thin. You're like my friend, maybe that I spoke about earlier, who just feels like he's completely spent. It's 14 years, Lord, I'm waiting for this promise and it's, it's still not there. 
Um, do you know how God made his promise with Abraham? Have you ever heard of the, it sounds aggressive, but just bear with me. Have you ever heard of the cutting covenant in scripture? The cutting covenant. Yeah? A couple of the theologians are nodding their heads and a couple of the first time visitors are going, I hope you're talking about biltong because that's the only thing I want to see cut this morning. Don't cut anything else. But the, the cutting covenant is what happened when God made this promise with Abraham. It was called the Abrahamic covenant, right? And it took place in a very, what seems aggressive way at first, but just, it's okay. I'll read the scripture and then I'll explain why this was significant and how this relates to, if you're ever feeling like you're stretched too thin or you've been waiting too long or there's too much of a delay or this mountain seems too high. There's a wonderful promise here that I wanna, that I wanna, I wanna, I wanna end on. This is from Genesis 15. The Lord came to Abram, so pause there for a moment. Abram was his original name, then Abraham, after God made the covenant with him, right? That's what God does when he meets you, he changes you. Uh, I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is this other person that was not part of the divine plan? Abram continued, look, you've given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. This was the servant girl, right? Now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir. Instead, the one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside. God took Abram outside his tent. And he said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you're able to count them, then he, then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. God takes him outside of his perspective, outside of his comfort zone, outside of the mystery of the middle and says, just look up for a moment. Makes you think of the Psalm, right? I lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of the heavens and the earth. Verse six, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him his righteousness. That's that powerful verse. And then this is where it gets a bit strange initially. God also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land. But he said, Lord, how can I know that I'll possess it? He said to him, bring me a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Homely farm. <laughs> so where it gets aggressive, but Abraham's not an animal cruelty uh, person. Just relax. He brought all these to him, cut them in half. Okay, Abraham brings these animals, cuts them in half, but he didn't cut the birds and placed the, the, the pieces opposite each other. So what on earth is happening there? Why is this cutting covenant necessary? Well, in that day and age, it was not very unusual actually for two people who were making a promise to each other to do this. They would cut an animal, right, in half, and then what they would do is they would walk in between those two pieces, those two halves of the animals. And what that symbolized was, if I don't fulfill my covenant as I walk through this thing with you, so be it to me that happened to these animals. That's what happened. That was the representation, right? So I'll make a covenant with Marnu. I go and get a ram and I cut it in half and I'll walk through. And Marnu walks through and we go, this is our covenant promise, symbolized in the cutting of these animals. And so be it done to us as was done to these animals if either of us fail to fulfill our end of the agreement. That's called a bilateral covenant, right? Park that in your mind. Listen to this verse. When the sun had set and when it was dark, verse 17, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. Who's going through there? Where's Abraham? 
Sleeping. What's God telling us? Abraham, you just rest. I'm going to walk through. And I, God, will bear the brunt of what happens if you don't fulfill your part of the agreement. And 1,800 years later, God did on a hill called Golgotha. He was cut (laughs) to fulfill his covenant promise to you that even if you mess up, (laughs) even if that middle seems too long, even if you are stretched too thin, even if you feel burnt out, even if you feel unworthy, he has kept his end of the agreement and you're not too far from the reach of God's hand. You are still in the faith. You are still loved. His word is still true. You're still in the family. Church, can you say amen to that this morning? God walked through the cutting covenant so you didn't have to. Just believe God and it will be credited to you as righteousness. He's fulfilled his covenant to us. Amen. Church, could you stand with me for a moment as we close in prayer? And Rob, you're welcome to join me as well if you want to close with me. I was thinking about uh, some other examples of middles, um, these mountains that we sometimes face. And I was going to jokingly say, Lord, you know, on a personal level for us in South Africa, just help our fly off, please. Just <laughs> middle, mystery, missing, please just do something there. We need this World Cup. But thank you for allowing me to share this word with you this morning, church. I want to take a moment and pray, if that's okay. I think um, that's one of the things that we should do is commit ourselves, commit the the word, commit um, everything to God in a word of prayer. I think that's just an appropriate way of ending any church service. So if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes with me and bowing your heads just as a moment of of honor. Um, Don't worry, nothing weird is going to happen. This is just us and God. It's a personal thing. Our spiritual journey is really personal. It's, It's intimate and we don't just want people to have a great experience of church. We want people to have a real encounter when they come to church. The presence of God is here. I'm just going to take a moment and pray into that for us. Father, we again this morning stand in awe of your grace. It was your grace that made that possible. Your grace cut through the divide that separated us and you brought us into your family through Jesus Christ. Thank you so much that we can trust you. You're a faithful God. Your word says that you fulfill your promises from generation to generation. Your faithfulness is evident. And Father, would you help us as we navigate through the journeys of life, the mountains that we might face, to have wisdom to know when we should rest and when we should pursue. Give us, give us spiritual eyes to see. Maybe the mountain that we've been facing is, is, is not actually... You've already spoken to that one, Lord. Like you spoke to Abraham. You said he will be the father. Father, whatever that promise is, would you, would, you, would you open our eyes to see it? And then would you help us have the courage to walk around the mountain that is in between us and that thing? 
in that missing middle. Give us the wisdom, Lord. Give us the strength. Help us see. Father, I pray for fresh courage to rise up in our hearts. I pray for peace to cover us. Holy Spirit, would you comfort those that are facing that uncertainty right now? Perhaps it's not even for someone in this room, Lord. Maybe we're standing on behalf of someone else that we know is, is fighting a fear mountain or an uncertainty mountain or a lack of provision mountain, whatever it is, Father, I, I just pray that you would give us the comfort to know that you were still in your hands. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And Father, as your people, as your children, we commit to walking by faith and not by sight. And we honor you so much, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, for your love that counted us in. We're included in your family, Jesus. And that news is too good not to share. So help us even this week encourage others with what we have received from you. We honor you for this time. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're alive and you're in us and you're moving. We're so excited for what you're still gonna do. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And Father's house, Jabe said, amen. Church, can we just celebrate God's love and his faithfulness this morning together? So, uh, Thank you so much again for your time this morning. I hope that was meaningful and encouraging in some way. Uh, Please feel free to stick around, grab a cup of coffee afterwards. There's prayer and communion stations available as well. Otherwise, see you Wednesday for groups or next week Sunday morning for church. God bless everyone. Cheers.